This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. Thanks, disembodied hot girl voice. This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. I am Ernie. And I am Robert, ready for the summer? Ready for the summer. Ready for the summer. School's over. It's here. Hurricane season. It's exciting. Well, yes. Living in the uh, great state of Florida, uh, we're now in hurricane season. So, uh, but like the whole thing, the whole thing is like the start of summer is Memorial Day. Yes. Yeah. That's the official start. Yeah, we just well we just we just didn't we just pass it or was that Veterans Day? No, it was Memorial Day. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, we passed it and uh, we passed it under what five days of rain? It's oh yeah, oh yeah, it was awful. Continuous rain. Oh yeah, it was every day, every hour of every day. It was quite intense. Yes, it was. And we had to spend a lot of time indoors. And when you're indoors, of course, you have to watch streaming stuff. Oh, the streams are where they're at. Yes, and I know we've talked a lot in the last couple of episodes about the stream. There's just so much going on, um, and I know today Ernie just got thrilled and excited over the last what week, two weeks. Wow, that, yeah. What it what it what a life we live, right? Being mm-hmm. in being in, in in what we find entertainment, like the whole comic book genre, and the fact that. Some of us, mainly me, feel like we were cheated out of a lot the past couple years. Um, we're go- we're talking about the DC Extended Universe, right? And, and you guys, and you guys, we all were to a certain extent of what it could have been. Yeah, you know, we had the the Man of Steel, which came out to mixed reviews, but it was still better than anything we've seen in a long time. And we were like, yes, give us more of this. And, you know, Warner Brothers was like, yeah, we're going to push through. Zack Snyder has this vision. He's coming out with another movie soon. And then BVS was hyped. And everything was going to hinge on that movie. However, the popularity of the Marvel franchise really went to a place that no one anticipated. Yeah, and it overshadowed and colored the commentary and what was said about and how it was received and how people complained and how there were plot and it just went on and on and on and on. Yeah. You know, and, and they didn't do it great. It was, it was a good story that they poorly executed. They shoved a lot into one thing that they didn't, they shouldn't have done, you know, and, and then it came down to, okay, now all this is done. Now what's next? And it was, of course, what we're here to talk about today yeah, so after uh, after you had BVS, you had the backlash, you had the uh, the interwebs. Essentially, everyone who had a, a, a voice on the internet suddenly became like experts in screenplay, experts mm-hmm. in movie scripting and in uh, VFX and all this stuff. And essentially, Warner Bros. Is like, look, we're tired of the negative press. We already have these two movies already shot. We had the Suicide Squad and and Justice League, and we want them reshot like a Marvel movie. And that's what happened. And even though they did well box office-wise, we still saw a lot of backlash, and then they kind of faded away. And then as they faded, somebody, I guess, interviewed Zack Snyder, I think at a con or something like that, 
Mm-hmm. And he basically says, well, you know, um, what you guys saw of Justice League wasn't what I shot. There's still so much more movie that I shot that wasn't put in there. And then so, the internet went insane. Yes. And then it started with release the Snyder Cut. Hashtag release yes. the Snyder Cut. And it started on Twitter. Like essentially every other conversation was release the Snyder Cut. And every now and then you'd have a Marvel fan that would come on there trying to make a name for himself, basically saying, you know, the movie sucked. What good is it to, uh, you know, release this cut? Because all it is is what? It's like a director's cut. What is he going to do? Add a couple mm-hmm. scenes, things like right. that. And then it got real when you heard that the actors themselves started coming out. Like Ezra Miller was like, look, I had a whole like origin story in here where I saved uh, Iris. Like it was in the trailer, but wasn't in the movie. I don't know if you saw it where like his finger was pushing through glass mm-hmm. and you saw Iris like falling and he was going to catch her using mm-hmm. his force. There was also a whole other story with Cyborg. You know, right, like an actual origin story is going on. Yeah, there. two origin stories right there in the midst of all this happening, plus the whole nightmare scene coming to fruition from BVS. Which would be, which is would have been a great tie-in, which I think was a great scene and it had a oh, lot of potential. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, and and all these actors like, yeah, there was there's a lot more dialogue. Even um, what's his name, the guy who played Lex Luthor, Luther. Oh, yeah, what's his name? Jesse Eisenberg? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. He, he was like, yeah, Lex Luthor was a great character. I shot a whole bunch of dialogue, never made it. Yeah, so so it, it became a real deal. There was actual content there that people never saw. It's like, it's like the extended editions of Lord of the Rings. It's not just a little extra. It's like a full half hour, 45 minutes extra. Was it needed in the Lord of the Rings? Probably not. Do we still watch it anyways? Yes, but in this hey, case, I don't know. I, I think those I think those ultra extended versions of the Lord of the Rings wasn't it more than forty five minutes? Wasn't it like pushing close to like each movie now became four hours long? I'm not sure it was that bad, but it was it was it was definitely least at least at the minimum forty five minutes. Let's go with that. But yeah. the point is, in any case, it wasn't. Well, the difference needed, was was that was that Peter Jackson shot the movie like that. And then right. he had to trim it down for the theatrical release without it, without any interference from like the studios or anybody else. Exactly. That and this, the, and this right. is opposite. The exact opposite. Right. Where there's there is a different whole a whole different movie, and full of content that's new, fresh, never been seen. That actually changes, could theoretically change this whole story of it. I'm not sure if I would go that far though. It, it depends on which rumors are true and which are not. I guess. Right. 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 Now, I'm going to mention another podcast that was mentioned by your boy, Kevin Smith, mm. uh, where he does his uh, he did a live uh, podcast on, I want to say Sunset Boulevard at a uh, one of those pop up bars, mm-hmm. Star Wars pop up bar. And this whole he wanted to talk about this release, the Snyder Cut. And there were people in the audience that he brought on as guests that he knew from inside the industry um, that they went to Zack Snyder's um showing of his version of justice league before it was done it was like before all the visual effects were like really smoothed out and everything sure sure and uh they said yeah um what what was released is a completely different movie 
Yeah. Completely and, different. And that's that's a great. And that's so. So here's the issue. Here's the good and the bad. The good is we get something now. To speak of another podcast in another fashion, a, a YouTube podcast that isn't the same as you know a regular podcast, but um, there is um, what the heck is it called? Uh, uh, there's it's a it's a show basically about around trailers. They make fake trailers, uh, honest trailers. That's the one. Okay, great show, love it, great binge. It's hilarious to watch. It's a lot of fun. But they had a hoax episode or a fake episode this past a couple months ago. I think it was, it was for April about the Snyder Cut, of how it was the be-all and end-all of all uh, movies. It was the ultimate superhero movie. All other superhero movies don't need to be made anymore. We've closed out the industry. This is the best thing ever. Everything gets fixed. And this was way before we really, really knew of all the stuff that we are now coming out. And now it's kind of sounding like maybe it's not going to you know, be the be-all and end-all, but it is a completely different movie and might actually fix where dc universe is going maybe yeah i mean because then you had suicide squad come out and it's and it was completely different than the sneak peek trailers that were released at all the comic cons Mm -hmm. but i mean it still it still did well i still enjoy watching the movie right it's a good movie i like the additional pieces they did with the with their unique cut with a little bit extra of the Joker. I thought that was decent. I thought it was, it had a little bit of flavor. It wasn't like desperately needed, but it was a nice little bit of flavor, you know? Right. But like same with David Ayers and, and essentially David Ayers came right out. Actually it was Jared Leto that came out and yes. it was after the first screening and he was mad. And that was the big story. Cause like, he was like, look, this is BS. All of my, all my dialogue was cut from this movie. Like he, mm-hmm. he basically spent weeks like doing dialogue and all this other stuff and to find out like next to none of it was used and which is then they, then they released an extended version which had some of his uh scenes in with with uh with margot robbie added mm-hmm. back in. but only some of them right it's like two scenes or something like that that they added back in right and there's probably still more Oh yeah, they uh, the way the way David Ayers put it was like you could have a Joker and Harley movie by itself with all the scenes they shot. Hmm. Never mind the rest of it. Yeah. So and the way David Ayers approached it was like everyone kept coming at him like, hey, you you kind of like wimped out there. Why didn't you make the Joker the uh, the big bad in this movie? And he's like, yeah, you're right. It probably would have done better if I had done Joker as the big bad. You're right. And the other one was, hey, why did you have like the, like the big like, you know, floating garbage in the middle of the city thing? Like, hasn't that been done already? He goes, yeah, you're right, um, and all this other stuff. And he goes, but then I think he got tired of it. He was like, look, I shot a completely different other, a completely different movie, and the studio, since they own it, they recut it. It's they own it. I can't. I don't own it. Mm-hmm. And which seems like, to be a big. It seems to be a big difference between the Marvel and DC universe, right? Right. In, in that the movie that you see and that goes on screen is exactly the movie that they put together. And yeah, maybe some minor stuff gets cut out, but nothing serious. Like they don't, it, it, and it seems to be, it's because, and people talk, it's homogenized and it's all, you know, you have to follow the rules and you have to look at the formatting and this, that, the other. But in some respects, as cookie cutter as it may seem, 
you kind of need that for consistency to build a universe and to actually get on screen what you actually film. You need some of that. With DC, it seems a lot of times it's kind of living out in the wild, wild west. It's like the, the, the studio can do whatever they want after your movie's finished and give you a whole different movie. And you're like, well, where's my movie? Yeah. What the hell, guys? And they don't seem like the directors and the, the producers have any, like, say, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, what the hell? Give us give us the right – give us the real thing. Give us what they actually made. Why are you redoing it? Yeah, and to be fair, when Man of Steel came out, that was like – I think that was around the same time as Iron Man 2 was coming out. And still, there was no thought of, like, a, creating a universe. Zack Snyder was like, look, I want to tell the Superman story, and it's going to be five movies long. And in these five movies, you can prob- possibly spawn off, like, solo movies off of these heroes, like Aquaman, Flash, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, you know, Cyborg. You can spin them off. Even Batman. I mean, yeah. you don't necessarily all have to be ba- uh, Batman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I think that was the other surprise was that, Zack Snyder's vision, like, ultimately became Wonder Woman, her own standalone film, and what, that grossed, like, what, a billion bucks? Mm-hmm. And then after that was Aquaman, another billion dollars. And it's like they, they all followed the Zack Snyder template, right? It's not really, like, super fun and, like, lighthearted. Which is fine, which we don't – it doesn't – and that's the thing is I think it was a lot of peer pressure at that point. It's like we want to be mini-Marvel. Don't be mini-Marvel. Marvel is Marvel. DC is DC. We don't go to DC expecting to see a Marvel movie. It's not the same universe. It's not the same feel. It's supposed to be grittier. It's supposed to be darker. It's supposed to be a little more depressing, I guess. But that's what we want to see. You know, We want to see the gritty. Yeah. And you guys are give us slapstick. We don't want slapstick. We want gritty. We want I crazy. Mean, we want Looney Tunes, you know? Dark shit. Yeah, I mean, the the whole idea of Batman is, look, he's, he's grim and he's brooding and everything else. I mean, we don't need him, like, in the middle of the day, like, punching the Joker and, you know, having a catch lo- catchphrase. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And I think so, – so all of this leads to the ultimate issue, which, of course, there are a lot of different versions of these movies out there that exist that may at some point. I know – Yeah, there's a – there's an ultimate cut, there's a director's cut, theatrical cut, but now HBO stepped in and said, hold on, after that Joker movie came out with Joaquin Phoenix, what was it, um, made on a $30 million budget, and mm-hmm. it grossed a billion dollars? Mm-hmm. He's yeah. like, look, if you guys just leave us alone and let us put it out there. You'll, you'll make money, be hand over fist. All sorts of money. All yeah sorts of money and hbo's like all right here you go Zack snyder you can finish your movie now here's the monies however the catch is you have to make it exclusive to our streaming service and that's that's where we are now and that's and the full that, circle back and uh, that's uh, the most confusing part about this right because mm-hmm. now hbo is going to launch hbo max why yeah. is that confusing because right now they have hbo go and HBO Now. And HBO Now. <laughs> which come with your pay, which come with your subscriptions that you pay for or don't pay for or included in your package through your provider, however you get HBO. Exactly. And yeah. HBO Go is the phone app version of HBO Now. HBO Now is a separate product, technically speaking. Which gives you the exclusive HBO exclusive content. Right. Exactly. Right. But now 
so basically, I believe, if I'm to think about it correctly, and I'm not 100 percent on this, um, is that HBO Max replaces HBO Now. Or are we saying that they're both going to be around? I believe the ultimate goal for HBO is to get everyone to start paying for that service if they want it. And they'll get everything that's on HBO, regardless if it's an HBO original or belongs to Warner Brothers. Because Warner Brothers Media – Warner Media owns HBO. Right, which there's another conflict too because there's also the DCEU. Yes. Which, which is has, another streaming service. Which has everything DC on it. Everything. Already. Right. So the movie technically is a DC movie, so shouldn't it be on that? Or is it a Warner Brothers movie? I think it's Warner Brothers Studio. Mm. So it gets kind of funky where at some point what HBO would, should do if they really want to do it right is see, because I don't know how many people are on the DCEU streaming service, HBO Max picks up and does a combo like disney plus did with hulu and basically buys a portion of it and then it's hbo max plus dceu hey and how smart was disney plus they were like hey look you know we're going to release our own streaming service and everyone was like why i could watch everything on netflix they pulled all their stuff off of netflix mm-hmm. and netflix right. is desperate right yeah netflix is is i forgot who oh they merged with nickelodeon mm-hmm. and so now they're going to have everything nickelodeon so they'll have uh, SpongeBob, which you know, which is huge. It's still yeah. huge. I mean, is it Sp- really still? SpongeBob is still putting out episodes and is still making coin. Kind of like The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, Simpsons, same thing. You know, Disney owns uh, owns The Simpsons, and they just put an original like Disney, you know, the first Disney Simpsons, which was like a five minute episode, which was brilliant mind you it was great was that the one with the babies yeah yeah okay i haven't watched that one yet because i'm afraid it'll ruin the timeline because i've been i'm on season 22 and i've watched every single season so i am completely binging all of the simpsons and and you know what man it's all going to come down to this and i want to know what our listeners viewers want to think about this are we at the point now where we're going to need a streaming app for everything that we watch. So are we going to need like a Showtime app? Like CBS tried it, right? Like CBS mm-hmm. said like, hey, we're CBS. We're on, you know, the regular airwaves. But if you yeah. want to watch all the cool stuff that we're coming out with, you got to have CBS All Access for, I think it's $8 a month. Yeah, which isn't a – and that's the other piece of it. It's really about a price point, right? Because – if you're talking about getting – because what people will do is just get rid of cable at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it really becomes how much you're paying for cable, and if you get all the apps of the things you want and all the channels you want, what does that look like? And which app do you get for which channels? It's going to get messy. Oh, and top everything else off, you know, for for uh, for my daughter, she got a brand-new MacBook Air, right? Nice. Yeah, very nice gift. It comes with the year Apple TV for free. Oh, God, another one. Yeah. Yeah. And there you go. Apple TV Plus for free. The only catch is, is like, you can't really, like, cast it to, like, anything. You know what I mean? Right. You have to watch it on your device unless you've got an Apple TV. Well, and to be fair, that's almost, I think, 100% original stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, I started watching some of the things on there. I didn't watch. Everyone keeps talking about that show with Jennifer Aniston. It's like a, like a, like a talk show. Okay. Everyone says how good it is and like how well written it is. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet because I'm, you know, watching about other things that we'll talk about on a future episode. Hey, uh, hey. But uh, like uh, I saw a little bit of the the Snoopy in space, which was cute. It's actually okay. a cute cute thing. Um, and there's other things on there that are more directed at kids. Okay. Um, a lot of documentaries that I'm not really interested in. Like I'm not a, interested in the Beastie Boys documentary. <laughs> I can't imagine why. Yeah. Nothing against I mean, the Beastie Boys, I like their music, but not enough to listen to a documentary about them. And it's a and it's not like a 20 minute or a 30 for 30 like you see on ESPN or something like that. Like they give you like a quick condensed like. Sure whole story nah this is a long it's like like this is a long documentary about the beastie boys That's um kind of crazy. yeah it is crazy um and then there's like a like an like an oprah thing on there too it it's very very different than the other streaming services i've noticed like the stuff that's on there i'm not sure who they were targeting at you know what i mean mm. yeah it seemed very sure. random yeah and i'm not sure it was targeted at me because like i think there's one show on there that Jason Momoa did, I think it's called C. Okay. But I haven't even gotten to that yet. Like I said, it, it like it's interesting enough to know that it's there, but it's not interesting enough like The Witcher with Henry Cavill. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely not the same thing at all. Well, and it's interesting because, um, so Supergirl and the Flash are also DC, right? Going back to that for a second. Yes. Well, there's W. They're CW, but they're DC characters but yeah they're on the cw and that's owned by netflix or they have the rights on netflix to it so all of those shows are netflix and the first thing to hit from nickelodeon because you're talking about that is avatar yeah the last airbender yeah which yeah. is ironic because i we actually own all the episodes but you know it's on streaming it's like well maybe i'll just watch it there it's just easier right <laughs> um but it's 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 so interesting to see how this is going to play out with all the different shows like okay so something that i'm a huge fan of i'm a huge i'm a Whovian, right a huge fan of Doctor Who. You can't really watch Doctor Who anywhere right now. In theory, from what I've seen briefly, and I haven't looked it up, you could actually watch Doctor Who on HBO Max. Because oh, Warner Brothers owns it? They have a deal with the BBC. Oh, yeah, that's a monopoly. Yeah, good luck yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah, so... It's interesting. Like, you can go to the BBC America app, and you can watch the last season of Doctor Who. But I like, like, right. you know, season 11, season 10, the older stuff. Not the old, yeah. old stuff. Not, you know, not the, oh, the, the silent. I want to see the dude wearing the scarf again and canine. Uh, and all of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm fine with all that. There, there's a definitely distinction, the new Doctor versus the old Doctor fan club. I'm a new Doctor fan club. I can't stand the old stuff. It's just, <laughs> I find it too cornball. I'm like. The new stuff is cornball enough. Don't get me wrong. I know you that. You didn't like the old Daleks? How, like, boxy and cardboardy they looked? Uh, no, I'm good. Thank you. Oh. I mean, hey, look, it's always supposed to be a little bit cheesy, but I'd like some decent acting if the, if the sets are going to be cheesy. Oh, you want some production value? Something. Either give me entertainment value of the dialogue or cheesy 
animation and, and I, villains. I grew up with the doctor with the dude wearing the scarf, man. I don't know what to say. It's very hard oh. for me to really get attached to any of the other doctors that have come out since. Well, and that's and that's and again, it's I'm not knocking the old stuff. I'm just saying it's just not my thing. I know there's a lot of people, and and again, to have it all in one place is near to impossible. Right, yeah, that would be nice if if they would have put it. Like I said, I tried to do the same thing when we were talking about catching up on Doctor Who, and I was like, well, let me give it a shot. I went on there. I'm like, wait a minute, this is only this season. I want to see before mm-hmm. this season. No, it doesn't exist. Yeah, you no, know, and you'd have to go like to the radio shows and all these other places. Oh yeah, and, and like, I did try that. Oh, I did yeah, try. Yeah. I tried that on YouTube, and I was like, oh, this is, this is unwatchable. Yeah, it's it's unwatchable. Yeah. yeah, so so there's a lot there's again there's a lot of things going on with the streaming, but the HBO Max is a big thing, and it's not on the Fire Stick, and it's not on this, and it's not doing that. It's new, so give it some time, of course. But you know, the question is, is as you were saying, is what do you choose? How do you choose which is the best way to go to get most of the value? And it's going to really boil down to what do you want? Does it actually give you more choice, right? Because with cable, you get what you get, right? Mm-hmm. You can get the premium channels, but you, you get what channels they give you. Here's your 150 channels. Good luck. Find something. Yeah. Now we're going with who actually owns it. So you have to really know what you like to say, okay, I really know I like this show or I really like this production company or I like this studio. And you have to know what they make. Mm-hmm. And then you have to really figure out, okay, now I know what they make. I know who makes it. Where are they going? <laughs> yeah. I, what you know, service I, are they on? Now, I had a free service called Voodoo, right? And I remember Voodoo, if, yeah. Yeah, and if you bought a movie, like a Blu-ray, like at Walmart or something like that, and you bought it and you used the uh, the Walmart Pay app, essentially you didn't even need the disc. You, it was in mm-hmm. your in your catalog. You could watch it on anything. Now right. that's going to all be obsolete. Who's going to do that anymore if you got all the streaming services? Right, well, the other – and that, that, that's the real thing is – People are going to get so frustrated with the streaming services. Are they going to go back to buying physical movies and TV, especially TV shows? Not really so much movies, I think. I think it's really going to be about the TV show crowd, right? Because that's where you get the seasons of stuff. Like, you know, Scrubs, for example, and it's only on Hulu. Or or Cheers, which is only on on Netflix, I think, now. Yeah, it's only on Netflix. Or, you know, a TV series that only Disney has, or a TV series that HBO Max is only going to have, like the Watchmen and all of that stuff. You know, oh, it's all going all over the, the place. Look at the backlash from when Netflix said, hey, next month we're, we're taking uh, friends off of our off of all of our streaming platforms. And people lost their minds. Oh, yeah. And that's been over for how long? I mean, oh, seriously, people? At least 10 years it's been off. Mm-hmm. But, hey, they replaced it with such things as the Back to the Future series and H. Ventura Pet Detective. So, you know, oh, the back of the future. That's a tough that's tough, man, because I really like those movies, except for the second one. I really like those movies. It's it's hard. It's a hard it's a hard pull because like, yeah, they're good. They're not friends. Good. Or Benjamin Button's on there now, by the way. Oh <laughs> I'm just saying it's not, you know, how do you, how you brought that into this conversation <laughs> beyond me. Oh, my gosh. But needless to say, there's a lot of options and how you're going to choose. And if you're going to choose to use HBO Max. I'm lost. I don't know. I still don't know. I have – with my service, I don't – because where I live, I don't have to pay for cable. It's included in the association fees. But I get all the premium channels. But because of that, I I can't get that HBO Max 
app. I have to get the other app, mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I guess if people actually bought HBO by itself and it didn't belong to a package, then I guess those people would be able to get Max. The only people that it's very rare, and that that's part of the complaint, is that if it was on like a Roku or a Fire Stick or something, you could do it. Now, you could get it through PlayStation. Oh, great. <laughs> the, the PlayStation apps, because they have all those yeah. apps. You can get it through there. Yeah, in their little store. I see I see it pop up every now and then. Yeah, I have a couple of the apps there, because that's where we watch it on our big TV, because we don't have a smart TV. So we watch it on, you know, we have Netflix on there, and we have uh, Crunchyroll, I think, and a couple of different things. Yeah, there's the anime one, right? I keep forgetting. Funimation, mm-hmm. uh, Cr- uh, Crunchyroll. Who's the one that has all the Studio Ghibli on it? Actually, that's another question, because Studio Ghibli, we believe, has just been exclusively put on HBO Max. There you go. <laughs> there so you go, man. Go, going all over the place to get your stuff. You know, man, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a crazy world. But uh, as crazy as it is, we know there is a small bit of sanity left. And do you know where that sanity is, Ernie? Is it the good doctor? It is the good doctor. That is where the sanity is. And we do have another special right here, right now. Can't wait. So, Yes, please enjoy another brief segment with the good doctor right here, right now on Two Nerds and a Joke, and we will be right back. And now, sports analysis of fictional characters with Dr. Jason Von Steins. All right, uh, happy to be back, happy to be talking about another uh, fictional character uh, within the context of sports psychology. Uh, So today I want to talk about uh, Sarah Connor. Uh, the mother of the savior of the, the world, <laughs> <laughs> depending on what timeline we're talking about. Uh, I'm uh, I'm mainly talking about Terminator Terminator One and Two. Uh, those Ooh, are my personal favorites. Yeah, yes. um, I grew up watching those movies over and over again. Uh, so. Uh, and then I might be a little weird. I actually like Terminator 1 more than Terminator 2. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Okay. That is unusual. Usually I find it the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's probably the thing that makes sense, and that's probably correct. That's probably the <laughs> right decision. <laughs> but, but I like kind of like small, independent movies, Um uh, I love Michael Bean, maybe because I grew up in the 80s and the, he was like the action star. So at least for some of my favorite movies. So I love Michael Bean. Um, by yeah, the way, he did in the abyss was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I heard that he was just cast in. Uh, I, oh, man, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but I think I heard he was cast in Mandalorian season two. Yes, so, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. So yeah. I'm about that um and now as far as sarah connor so we first meet her in terminator one um at that time when we get to know her she's a struggling uh, waitress she's still an emerging adult um so i don't know if they say her age but she's very young um she is probably in her first apartment with a roommate or just kind of early on in life um and she is, you know, later on in the movie, she even says like something like, 
save the world. I, I can't even balance a checkbook. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. people today, I don't know if anybody balances a checkbook because of online banking and all that, but that um, used to be a thing. <laughs> where, yeah. Yeah, I remember, yeah, kiddies, I remember. you know, there was a time when we used to have to do this thing called balancing a checkbook. Yeah. <laughs> and it was never right, but we still did it. <laughs> yeah. So people today don't know what that is, but that was an adult task. It was an adult responsibility. Um, so that's the Sarah Connor that we first meet. Um, and, you know, things – and she's she's not necessarily a great waitress. Um, I think we <laughs> – yeah. yeah, yeah, we come across that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we see her making some mistakes with some orders. Um, a little kid puts some ice cream in her apron or something, yep. and everybody around her just kind of laughs. and like, ah, she deserved that, ha-ha. And, yeah. uh, and she's defeated. She feels very small. She doesn't feel like – like the savior of humanity. Uh, she doesn't feel like she's going to raise the savior of humanity. Um, and then throughout the course of that first movie, she goes through some really serious traumas. Um, so an unstoppable killing machine travels back in time and um, kills her, loves one, her loved ones, kills people who just have the same name as her. Um, uh, she's... Um, She's surprised by Kyle Reese, uh, played by Michael Bean, who who th- she thinks is also trying to kill her. So everything around her is chaotic and out of her control. And um, she sees all kinds of people die in front of her. And um, we do, uh, you know, after that first movie, so things turn out pretty well for her, uh, it, uh, you know, within that context. Yeah, relatively speaking. Yeah. <laughs> relatively speaking. She meets the love of her life, Kyle Reese, who then unfortunately passes away. Uh, but she does survive. She kills the unstoppable killing machine. Um, she ends up uh, pregnant with um, the love of her life's uh, baby, who is now um, going to you know save humanity. Um, she drives off into a sunset, uh, which is great. But she she probably has PTSD, you know, so we would have to like really do an assessment and ask her all the specific questions. But she most likely ended up with PTSD. So um, when someone has PTSD, just some quick points, um, they they go they they do a lot of avoidance. They try to not think about what happened. Uh, they try to avoid areas where they could be in danger or that remind her of of the trauma. And um, they, you know, it's it's very common to have nightmares. And they they have this unfortunate process where they end up thinking or ruminating about what happened, but then also trying to block it out and try to avoid thinking about it. And when we see um, when we see uh, Sarah Connor again in the second movie, well, one, we know she's in a psych ward. So um, we know even though she's right, even though she is correct in knowing that, you know, the machines are out to get us and they're coming pretty soon, like in 1996 or something. Yeah, um, it was uh, in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was in the 90s. Doomsday. Yeah, yeah, go on, go on. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we've made it this far, so that's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so even though she is correct, 
she is not necessarily handling it in a mentally uh, healthy way and it's apparent to to the doctors and and she's for whatever reason she's admitted into a psych ward and we also know that she has those nightmares um she sees her she sees herself um in a in a playground she sees herself happy and innocent not the person she is today but the person she used to be uh playing with kids at a park and then she's desperately trying to warn them she's banging on the fence she's She's scree- I think she's screaming something, but I don't know if we can make out what she's saying. And she's trying desperately to warn those innocent people, warn herself, her past self, about what's going to happen. And then, boom. And then the, um, you know, the nukes go off and everybody's dead. You know, and then, and then Sarah wakes up. That I, I think they're trying to get across that that's her reoccurring nightmare. And that nightmare kind of says it all. She's desperately trying to warn people. She's in the psych ward. She's trying to tell them over and over again, here's the truth. Here's what's going to happen. And then people just ignore her. They don't hear what she's saying. They only see the trauma, the uh, dysfunction, they see her PTSD and they don't see that her message is actually correct. And then what's going to happen to them, unless she's able to save them, they will most likely die um, because of because of Arnold and uh, the, the machines or or maybe not Arnold at that point, but because of the machines. <laughs> yeah. Or so, wasn't they Robert Patrick, right? The T-1000. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. It, now, now for a character like her, she obviously post-traumatic. That's a huge thing. Um, mm-hmm. I've known a lot of people who suffer from it. There's triggers. There's all kinds of things that go along with mm-hmm. that. All kinds of nasty stuff. For her as a sports, though, I'm kind of I'm I'm struggling a little bit to see where she'd fit as a character type as what kind of sport I think she'd play. Because sure. that's that's a little more difficult for her. Now, I, I because she's a wiry character. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what actually might work. And see what you think about this. Maybe some sort of like. A heavy mental sport, like you have to have a lot of concentration. Something like a, like a gymnast or like somebody who does like a Cirque du Soleil act or somebody who has to have like a fear of something big that would really affect their sport, right? Because in football, you're not there's not, nothing extreme. You're not going to get afraid of getting hit per mm-hmm. se. It's it's just getting hit. But like if you're doing an extreme sport like that, or maybe a motorcycle. Somebody does somebody who does something extreme, extreme sports of some sort, and they had some sort of traumatic accident, even like a race car driver, right? Where they had a yeah. traumatic accident, and reliving that in their mind mm-hmm. is literally what's causing them not to be able to perform. Yeah. So that might be maybe that's what do you think, Ernie? You think that might be kind of? Uh... Well, here's what I was thinking. I was going to throw it to you, uh, throw it to you, Doc, about this. In the 70s, um, there was a. There was a football team, uh, Marshall Football, right? They were they were chartering a plane, and essentially uh, two of the players they overslept their their alarm to get to the plane, so they had to drive back to the university. That plane crashed with all their teammates and all their coaches, so they lost yeah. all their whole team. Now yeah. the whole thing was was that this university, the only thing they had going for them and the town around them was this football team. So the decision was made, do we continue the football or do we allow some time for this to pass and mourn over? Do Are we doing them a disservice if we pick up the season? You know, that type of stuff. And what would you say to that player who missed the, the call and wasn't on that plane 
And now he has to come back and like essentially and, and, and I don't know if you saw the movie We We Are Marshall, but it tells the story about that and it's a great movie to watch. Uh mm-hmm. it has um it has a what's his name? Falcon. A young Falcon from Marvel. He's uh, a, he actually plays the character who who missed the flight, right? Mm-hmm. And uh he basically has to grip anytime he's playing the game, he's playing it all out and like people don't understand and he's like saying, Look, that's not, you know, that's not your number. That's so-and-so's number. And it, and he's talking about the players who, who died on that plane. So how do you deal with, like, a player that's still committed to the sport and he's still playing it all out, but he has this, like you said, almost like a PT. I don't know. If, is that PTSD? Would you call that? Um, it, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. It's almost definitely... like survivor's remorse, almost, you know? Yeah. Anthony Mackie, by the way, for anybody who wants Anthony to Mackie, look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it might, it might be more closer to survivor's remorse rather than a PTSD. I don't know. Yeah, and, and survivor's remorse could definitely fit into uh, the diagnosis of PTSD. But it definitely sounds like there was a trauma and... Uh, a severe trauma and then that is you know affecting uh, that player's mental health affecting that player's behavior so yeah it it sounds like it could be uh ptsd but it, then, it, go ahead no i was gonna say so that's kind of the the first and foremost right because he's gonna have whether it's survivor's remorse and a ptsd or a combination as you said it kind of fits together the first step for you then to diagnose is obviously first and then then what how do you get them back to perform at all right yeah. yeah well, I mean, a, he's he's performing, right? He's the guy out there like laying the hits on people, you know, he's doing his thing and he's like laying it into these new guys that are just like, "Hey, uh, you know, I'm sorry, you know, that that I'm not." And he's like, you "Don't understand." And that's how I felt like Sarah Connor comes across in going from Terminator 1 to Terminator 2, right? So you have Termi- Yeah, yeah, you have Terminator 1 where like she's getting like you said, she's a very simple girl, probably starting off in life has a really crappy job, and she thinks this is what life is going to be like. Crap. Let me, like, just right. buckle in and, and enjoy the ride for what it is. Like, she has a boyfriend or something like that, too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I, I'm, not, I'm trying to remember. No, no, no. Her roommate has the boyfriend. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Her roommate has the boyfriend because the Terminator is basically trying to find her and kill her. And then, like, Michael Bean shows up and lays this heavy – I mean, I don't know how heavy this could be. Like, somebody say, hey, look, you don't know this now, but in, like, five years, the world's going to come to a tragic end, and your kid is going to be the one to, like, fight back. Yeah. And he's going to credit you for, like, him being that way. Mm-hmm. So, like, she has to absorb all that, and in, and in two, like you said, she's going around telling people this, and – Somehow, some way, she ended up in the sanitarium over there in in L.A. And um, yeah, every time she says it, everyone just thinks she's she's just bat crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And um, even her kid thinks she's bat crazy, and he's yeah. not going into it. And um, you know, when you sit, and that's why I said I kind of I kind of see her like gripping with that because she's looking around and she's and I think she says it in Terminator Two. She's Terminator Two. She's like, I see all these people and all I see are are dead people walking and they just don't know it yet like i see skeletons and that she has the the forebodingness of the playground the nuke going off and like everybody being disintegrated and she's there also like feeling the burn of it so she has to like carry that on like saying i'm surviving it but nobody else will like everybody out here i can basically disassociate myself from because they're going to be dead anyways 
Like the police, I don't care what they do to me. They're going to be dead anyways. The, the, this doctor, I don't care what he does to me. He's going to be dead anyways. So I think that's how she lives the remaining part of her life from Terminator 2 on, which I think impacts John Connor. Mm-hmm. But like, as far as like a sports figure, like the closest thing I can get would be that, that football player that is, he's kind of like, you know, he's going to live the rest of his life. Like it, I should have been with my teammates. You know, I let my, my team down. And I think that's what she's feeling it all like as well, because like, no matter what she does, she feels like she's letting down the entire human race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So how would you, how would you deal with that? Like, like you have that player. He's like, I feel like I let them down by not being there. Woo. Yeah. Those, those, <laughs> <laughs> those are tough questions. Um, if I, first I'll summarize it real quick and then I'll go into more detail. So my, my short couple sentence summary is, Oh crap. Um, <laughs> it, it takes a village it takes lots of resources and it's complicated. And then like what to get into more of what I would want to do. Uh, well, the first thing, you know, that that person, that player or Sarah Connor, they would need to decide for themselves what they want to do. So my first my first step is just being there, just listening, just helping them to feel heard and understood and get things off their chest. Nobody nobody can understand what it's like, you know, especially for Sarah Connor. For that one player, maybe there's been a couple other people that have experienced something similar, but or maybe not. Maybe no one else has experienced that same thing. So uh, uh, so first just listening to them and then as far as whether they should play or not play, it's complicated because Maybe they should um, not play and then just work on their mental health. Maybe playing is taking too much of a toll on them. Or also maybe playing is something that they need to do. It gives them a sense of identity, a sense of purpose, a sense of honoring and grieving the loss of what might have been their entire social circle, the entire emotional support system. Um, so that's a very tricky area to navigate. And then I would say that as far as any decision that the player makes, it's it would be the right decision for them at that given time. And then I would just want to support them through that process. And then as far as, like, let's say that the player said, I do want to continue playing, then I would want to see that player you know, in session on a very consistent basis, at least once a week, if not more. Um, I think it's also helpful to get everybody on board and then maybe have a meeting with the coaching staff, maybe have team meetings where, you know, because the, the team is is dealing with this too. Not They have to deal with him and his, you know, his whatever disruptive behavior he's having. And then also imagine for each individual player, they're putting on this journey, or excuse me, jersey, that used to be worn by someone who just passed away. And maybe these are also friends of the players. And then even if they're not friends, there's, I forget if the, oh, vicarious trauma. There's still a thing called vicarious trauma where you just, you know something happened, you hear about it, and... Even though you didn't see it, even though you didn't participate in it, you are traumatized just by 
knowing what happened. And that's a that's a very real thing. So I would want any player that's involved, anybody that knows Sarah Connor for the movie example, mm-hmm. they they should at least talk to someone at least once and then decide for themselves if they want to continue with uh, with therapy. Um, at the very least, I think team building sessions with the football team where you know we work on team cohesion, we work on you know just having fun and bonding. That would be really important. So in Sarah Connor's uh, example, just anybody who is part of this this ragtag group of people trying to save the world. We're going we're gonna to get together. We're not just going to focus on saving the world. We're going you know, to bond. We're going to hang out around a campfire. We're going to you know, do team-building activities together, just stuff like that. Um, man, oh, and then let me also comment on the specific sports uh, for Sarah Connor. Um, she does, when we see her in, in Judgment Day in Terminator 2 – she is very capable, so she's completely transformed. So she kind of strikes me as being able to compete in whatever sport she wants. Uh, so that might be gymnastics, that might be football, whatever it would be, because she she's super driven. She's very intelligent about how she does things. Uh, in the movie, we know that she kind of um, hung out with these different almost like warlord guys, you know, like drug runners, gun runners, stuff like that. And she was learning everything she could. And she was off the grid, like in, in the desert in Mexico, and just, just learning, constantly learning. And then and then not just learning and not doing anything with it, but learning and then practicing, learning, practicing how to shoot, practicing how to, you know, uh, disassemble guns and put bombs together and, and all – set up booby traps and all kinds of cool stuff like that. Um, so she's great at learning. The sport that strikes me as being Sarah Connor's sport, for me, and, and this kind of shows like what sports I, I follow a little bit more, um, and uh, MMA. So, ah. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Yeah, I like it. I like that a lot. Yeah, because when, yeah. we, when we see her in the, in the psych ward, uh, she's – she has a really high fight IQ. You know, she's really smart about the way she fights. So she's much smaller than um, I forget what those guys are called, but the orderlies. Yeah, yeah, orderlies. Yeah, yeah. The big guys who you know um, carry her around and you know uh, keep her in check. She's very right, smart right. about how she fights them. She sneaks up behind one. She, I think she maybe she kicks him behind the knee. Then she like grabs a, a stick and then you know hits them in the back of the head so so first she knocks him to the ground and then she hits him in the back of the head to incapacitate him uh, so she's very smart um when she uh when she's attacking that uh, that poor unfortunate psychiatrist <laughs> those are the real victims here those are the real victims. he's the real victim here let's not, let's not. <laughs> yeah he's just trying to do his best he's <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know that the apocalypse is coming. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. She gets a syringe and then she gets bleach and then fills the syringe up and then puts it in his neck. So that I don't know if she was trained to do that or if she was just thinking and improvising on the spot, but it's very intelligent. Uh, so I definitely see her as someone 
who has lots and lots of weapons, lots and lots of knowledge, uh, and isn't afraid to use it. So I think MMA, you know, there's so many different skills, jiu-jitsu, judo, uh, Muay Thai, boxing. So she would be someone who would just have all of those skill sets and then have like no hesitation to use them. Maybe be a little bit impulsive, maybe um, attack too much and, you know, and, um, you know, kind of bend the rules too much. But uh, I think she would be a very effective uh, MMA fighter. Oh, very good. Oh, no, yeah, no. you're right. All those disciplines that she had to put together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what one side note. I wanted to know what sure. the good doctor thinks about this. Sure. Do you think that the movies after that were made after Terminator 2 are kind of retelling Terminator 2? Mm. Well, the most recent one definitely was. Um, and a lot of people didn't like it. I thought it was pretty good. I would need yeah. to watch it again. It was just fun enough. Um, uh, it, was, it was trying to recreate Judgment Day, and you really can't recreate that. So then yeah, I think for what it was, it was good enough. Um, yeah, I think it seems like... Like um, like the movies after that, they were really trying to capitalize on just like the lightning in the bottle, like the beauty of Judgment Day, and trying to tell like the next step. And then uh, you know maybe people like the movies, maybe you don't, but but they didn't. It was really hard to kind of keep that moment, that storytelling storytelling momentum going, and. Um, you know, it just it didn't necessarily work. I hear Sarah Connor Chronicles is good, but I haven't uh, been able to check it out yet. Yeah, neither have I. The because um, I was yeah. a follower of the whole Terminator like storyline and everything else. Because I liked Salvation, mm-hmm. um, that was actually pretty decent. Mm-hmm. But like like what I saw the common thread in the movies after Terminator Two, they were kind of like, all right, it's like they're they're trying to redo Terminator Two. They're completely forgetting about one. And mm-hmm. when you go back and you watch one and that whole story about Sarah Connor and like how that particular character like changes over the course of the next few movies um i wish they would get back to something like that because that was that was pretty deep you know when um you know how reese kind of explained like you know how dark and bleak things were but like john would keep them all together about stories that she was telling him you Mm -hmm. know about his interactions with his mom and i guess that's how uh reese kind of like started falling for like this idea of who who she was right right yeah so so then, uh, I, I don't know, man. I I hope that they keep going with this. I like seeing Terminator movies. Yeah. I say if you're gonna keep bringing Arnold back, sure, why not? I, you know, I'm nothing wrong with seeing CGI on the screen. You know, it doesn't bother yeah. me. <laughs> as long as it's well done, you know, it has to be pretty yeah. well. You know, that doesn't look yeah. too fake. Well, I, I think this is great. I love the Sarah Connor, Connor Chronicles. It makes me want to go back and, and rewatch the movies again. It's very interesting. And if you watch it all together, how does it really fit now, especially with the distance and ages between the movies and the Chronicles and everything else going on? So mm-hmm. I think there'd be a lot of interesting things to kind of look at. And it's a character, too. So mm-hmm. uh, thank you guys very much. And, uh, of course, as always, Doctor from you. I'm Dr. Jason. And insert tagline here. Fantastic. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Seamless transition. And we return in glory. Again, another great, great segment with the good doctor. Always a lot of fun to talk to him. He has a great really? time doing it too. Like like we could like do like a three hour long podcast with that dude. Right. Oh crazy. And you know, last last week's episode did really well. Um, or two weeks ago now, uh, episode with uh, check it out if you didn't. We did a full thing on the romance and life and times of our one of our favorite redheaded fire females from the show on um, Game of Thrones. 
GOT. Yeah, she's she's so hot. Um, but <laughs> she is. I'm sorry, she just is. Get me a wildling. That's what I need in my life. Oh, my uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so he definitely can. I'm going to continue to do more segments with him too because it's just it's just so much freaking fun to do it. Um, so many different mar- so many more characters we're going to do. But as Ernie said earlier in the episode. Please, please make sure you send us an email at two nerds and a joke at gmail.com. Two nerds, a joke. Um, and, you know, let us know what you think about all these streaming services and about the Good Doctors episodes if you're enjoying that. And let us know what you think is next. And I want to say, Ernie, are you all caught up on a good place? I didn't see the, the latest season. Did you finish watching it? I did not see the latest season. Okay, you need to watch it. I just finished it. Oh my God, it's so good. And it's nope. done, right? Nope. There's one more season. Season oh. four, they are giving it an actual conclusion. It has one more season left, and that's an actual closing. We're done. This is what we expected. We have a finale in mind. Here's what we're doing. Good old Eleanor, right? Oh, tell you what, dude. That show has such a great take on morality and being a good person. I will tell you what. It's such a middle-of-the-road view of it, you know? That's what this... I learned. That, that show taught me... The word humble brag. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never word. heard that before. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know people who do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Humble and brag. It's, and it's so interesting because especially in the third season, which is, I think, I'm not sure if it's the best, but it is seriously up there. It is, it really gets into how do you really count the points for <laughs> being a good person? And it's well, such an interesting conversation. Uh, yeah, and you know, it turns out that you know the bad place has been like fudging the numbers, making uh, it so uh, impossible for anyone I, to get good numbers. Can I give you a, a, a spoiler? Go on, give me a little spoiler. A little spoiler is they aren't. Ah, just a little spoiler. And you know why? And this is I sorry. I, just a few minutes before we leave the episode, I gotta I gotta give this. Okay. So the catch is. And they, the perfect example, you get a tomato, right, from the grocery store. You're buying organic. Cool. But you know what? Even though you get points for getting the tomato, you lose points because it was harvested by illegal people in another country. They were actually uh, in servitude indentured. So you're basically promoting slavery while you buy that tomato. So even though buying the tomato gives you points, you lose a bunch of points from everything else that happened to that tomato. Right, buying the flowers, buying the tomato. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so the world's just so complicated that even good deeds could have unnoticed or unrecognized or unknowable bad consequences. Reusing a bag as opposed to buying a plastic bag. May uh, not make a difference. Yeah. Because where is that pla- where is that mad bag that you that's remade made? Who is it made by? Yeah, is it made the by supply chain? Like uh, child labor in China. Exactly. So very interesting conversation. I like a whole other episode. I like the story. It's 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 so well written in the and the cast that they put together. They're all comedians. It's so so good to watch them play off each other. It's it's awesome. I could see them just doing improv and just hanging out for an hour and be hilarious. Yeah. So good times. So good times. But at least. That you can watch for the moment on Netflix. So catch it while you can. Yeah, until NBC until NBC comes out with their own streaming service. Lord help us all. It's it's insane. But amidst all the insanity, you always have us to kind of help clear the path 
to more sane times, and Ernie will always be able to get us out of every episode with a very solid... Peace out. Peace out, everybody. We will talk to you guys next time. And that's another episode of Two Nerds and a Joke. Follow Robert and Ernie on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to their YouTube channel.